Hello, Kevin James Clark. How are you? Hello. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good week. Nice. Where are you? I am in a different room. <laughs> I'm not in the what people at work have been calling the Church of Rafa because it looks like <laughs> a church, like a tent thing. We switched rooms, like from our bedroom to our office. Mm. We switched it because why not? It's one of the good things about not having any furniture is that it's easy to move stuff around. <laughs> so is your bedroom now in the church? Yeah, the bedroom is in the Church of Rafa now. It's cozy. <laughs> nice. But moving the mattress upstairs, like through the little like tight staircase thing. Oh. <laughs> I think it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. In my life. <laughs> and he has a kid, so that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't have to birth the kid, but you know. That is true. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, you should ask your wife. <laughs> <laughs> that was the hardest thing she's ever done. <laughs> yeah, should. Yeah, so but we switched it up and so now, you know, still a work in progress. Jury's still out, but with this house like it's such an old building like it's like everything's compromises, right? <laughs> Sounds like my life. <laughs> so, there's no clear winner. <laughs> so, it's a better office. And also, I think we should reevaluate room expectations like especially after the pandemic and lockdowns. Like usually you have, let's say you move into a place that has three bedrooms. And let's say to have your own bedroom, that's usually going to be the biggest bedroom. It's going to be your massive bedroom. And then maybe the second biggest will be like the kid's room or something. And then if you have a tiny one, they're like, I don't even know if it would work as a bedroom. It's a very small room, but that'll be the office, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's usually how it goes. That's the order of like room size, right? But I would challenge that because I feel like offices nowadays, like I spend more, way more time in my studio room than in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like way more, right? Like it's just most of my day is here. And I feel like, you know, we should reevaluate that order, that ladder of rooms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. I also think something like considering the light and the windows around your office is another important piece of this puzzle. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, you're going to be spending a lot of your time in that room. Pick the one that has the best natural light. <laughs> Or where you work. It's like, I think that that's good advice. Yeah, it's a good point. That's exactly what happened here. And also, so this room is bigger, has like a mezzanine thing, which uh, at some point we're going to have two like workspaces for both mm. myself and my wife. So, so it's a good natural separation. So one would be like upstairs, one would be downstairs. Right. Uh, but still like open area. And then the, these windows face the main street, uh, which also like a bit noisier and stuff. So even for mm. a bedroom, you kind of want the quiet side of the of the building so right that's also a win anyways i'm just trying to explain why stuff is different and no one can tell because no one can see me <laughs> but yeah i always like moving stuff around like new rooms new layout i love that yeah that's something that i've learned from you of just constantly just like try new things like move things around oh, yeah. try different layouts i think that's a great way to think about a space i tend to be very set in my way of like think about it a lot and then just be like that's the way yep <laughs> but yeah lately i've been playing a little bit more with that i'm just like trying new configurations or like even just like changing up a space a little bit like changing the art on the walls and like moving stuff around oh yeah right like from around your house even if it's the same stuff, just moving it around a different configuration. Seriously. It still feels new and feels different. So It's like a whole new home. 
like a whole new house, <laughs> like a previous apartment, we would just sometimes just switch the orientation between like TV and couch, just flip it, mm-hmm. like different walls. <laughs> and it's like now when I'm in the couch and I look outside out the window, like it's a different perspective. It's like a whole new view, right? Right. Like sometimes it's small changes, like just really makes the whole place feel new and different and fresh. Yeah, I think we talked about it, especially like deep into lockdown, like how that could just help get something new in your life, you know, just something fresh. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, change of setup, I finally got the studio display yeah you're moving you've moved a couple times like your camera moved oh yeah <laughs> oh there you go see i'm staying in my house my image is moving yeah it's like a camera person operating your fancy webcam feels like oh look at that which has been so annoying actually i find it very distracting and the camera will just move around even as i'm like drinking water or like just even shifting in my chair just constantly moving yeah look at that and i've, I've had people constantly ask me like is your camera moving? Like, what's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) This is very very weird to people who don't know about this. Mm -hmm. Even in interviews, like, people find that very, very strange. And can you turn it off or no? So here's the thing, right? When I ordered this, it was right after the event, and I could tell immediately that I'm like, do I need this feature? I don't really need this feature, but... I just assume this is a feature you just turn off, like, surely. You can have it just, like, Mm -hmm. focus. And I I believe they might have mentioned it in the event, or I don't know why, but I was just, like, under the impression that this is something you can do Mm -hmm. from the moment that I bought it. I also had no idea the actual quality of the camera was going to be. I was just judged by what they said in the event, which is, camera is amazing. Um, So (laughs) when I got this, I very quickly realized, like, I actually don't want this. I find that distracting to have my camera camera constantly moving Mm -hmm. and i actually feel self-conscious in a way sometimes of my camera that i'm like oh my camera is like weirdly focused so i'll like move around on my desk to try to get the camera to like point to a better direction Mm -hmm. i find that very annoying but then i was like yeah like let me just turn all this stuff off like i just want to turn it all off and so this is what happens when you turn oh, it off. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Rafa just thought, maybe we should do like take a, a screenshot of it and then show people on it what it looks like. I'm sitting right in front of my monitor and it's basically cropping essentially from my chin is like the bottom of the frame and it's leaving a giant gap above my head and i feel like i'm slightly off center. Yeah. I'm sitting right in front of it. Definitely. But it's a little off center. I don't understand this. Because it's still cropping. It's not like, all right, we won't crop. We'll just give you the raw signal from the camera. Right. That's so strange. It's like, I don't understand this. Like, who made this? <laughs> this is obviously terrible. Like, this is unusable. Like, if you don't have this feature turned on, it is completely unusable. It's so strange. How can you release a product like that? <laughs> that is just pure insanity. Like, it's so unlike Apple to release products with, like, such weird problems like this. Mm-hmm. I just, is this a bug? Is this something that's like behaving totally different from everything they've tested? I've seen some people mention it, but like no one really mentions it as like a thing they're waiting for and the update, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's just like, oh, like they'll make the camera look more like the iPad whatever camera. But I'm like, this is also something that's really important to fix, in my opinion. And I yeah. don't understand how it's like that. I am not a fan of the fact that like every uh, webcam, like the direction we're taking with webcams is that it's more and more reliant on, on software. Which is also the way that cameras on phones have been going or whatever. Like, it just feels like, yeah, we kind of hit a, a ceiling in terms of like sensors and stuff. Now it's all computational, right? 
uh, not photography, but like web camera stuff. <laughs> and like, this is what's happening with like all the built-in uh, like Apple cameras right now. Um, not just the center stage, but like even the processing, right? And there's also a bunch of like fancy webcams that you buy that also have to run a little program, like you know, to do any color correction or like also some have center stage stuff. Some all the smart stuff, and it's similar to like TVs. Like we're getting a lot of smart stuff on TVs, and yet what I want is still the dumb panel. <laughs> And I feel like it's not an option anymore. Like my camera, the one I'm using right now is the Logitech, whatever, whatever. That's probably the last. Like there's no software that I have to install. I was going to say, says the guy using an eyesight camera. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not yet, though. I never actually used. But like there is an app that you can install, Logitech one. And here I'm like changing settings now and stuff. Uh, And, you know, it's good. You can change stuff like the anti-flicker, like, you know, like the refresh rate from like for your light bulbs like 50 hertz or 60 or whatever i've ordered the fancy like opal camera you know because mm. someone gave me a code Ooh. and you know i felt like i'm not gonna waste this code all right fine i'll okay, <laughs> see what the what the hype is all about should be here by the time you're recording i should probably already have it uh but that also is reliant on like other apps running in the background and doing all of that for you not a fan and it's unfortunate. I feel like that's an escapable future. This is it, you know, unfortunate. Yeah, I don't know. I may be less pessimistic than you about this, where I feel like one, it's inevitable. Two, it's actually going to be better. I think they can do a lot with software to make these cameras look better than their actual like output is normally without it. I think my problem is two things. One, if you're going to make a camera that's powered by software, make damn sure that your software is good, right? And right now on this display, the software is not good. The software is not good. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Then two, it's like putting software in a camera is not a replacement for having good camera hardware. <laughs> I think that's the second problem here. It's like, yes, it's very impressive that you can get like a potato quality camera and then make it look half decent. But that's not what we want. I want great camera, right? With great lens and great everything in there and then on top of that you make that even better with software not we take this terrible grainy image and make it somewhat decent through software that's no one wants that like that's just bad so i feel like the software in itself being a requirement is already bad for me Mm. like i it bothers me way too much having to open the app to run it oh yeah well it depends yeah third party versus first party like one is called like the Lumina webcam. I had that somewhere. Actually, I think it got lost in the move. I think it's in a box somewhere. I've been looking for it because it feels like actually I could take it apart and put it inside of my eyesight, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but that also like if you're not running the software, if you like, let's say, open up Zoom, you will get a little thumbnail like saying Lumina camera starting or something, right? Like before the software kicks in. Mm. And that is like, no, I hate it. Like it's another thing <laughs> yeah, that I have to yeah. run and be aware of. Like cameras, I just feel like as like dumb peripherals. Just you plug in and you get the signal and that's it. Right. So, but yeah, that's as a third party camera. I don't know how you can avoid On that. the plus side, the camera in this computer is basically like this, right? Like there's nothing that you have to run. Like it's all I mean, it runs on the iOS computer inside of this display. <laughs> but I think that if you're going to do a software camera, obviously Apple is probably like the one to do it best. And especially it's their ecosystem. So they make it pretty seamless. But yeah, I just like this, whatever this version is not it. So I think for me, one, they have to fix the image quality. And it's mostly, I think for me, it's about how they 
deal with the the highlights and the shadows mm. where it just seems like they're lifting the shadows too much yeah so it's like over hdring the image kind of in a way and then two and it's super flat it's very flat right and it sort of washes out the colors yeah it's not a very saturated image so i think they have to work on that those two things seem like they're things that can be fixed fairly easily two they need to fix the the mode where you turn this feature off entirely it needs to look just like a normal camera like on my lg 5k like they've got to fix this if they don't fix it i'm not keeping this like i just can't use it because the thing too the way my office is i'm kind of in a hallway right Mm -hmm. And imagine my partner is like going to the kitchen, walking by the hallway, and then the camera is like panning around <laughs> to see my partner going to like get get something in the kitchen. <laughs> That's just not. That is like literally the opposite of what I want out of a camera. Does that happen? It does, yeah. Oh and God. it'll do the huge like swoop, like you know, full <laughs> wide angle, right? So they can really get it like right up to the edge. It's like a dog with like you know squirrels. Exactly. <laughs> While I'm talking about something, it's squirrel, someone, like, no. get in the shot, get in here. Yeah, I need the opposite i need like focus mode for the camera <laughs> it's like hey focus here i'm here can you imagine how this camera would operate in a like office space you know with a bunch of people always moving around and stuff in the background it'd be a nightmare great question yeah i have no idea but it would be a nightmare for sure for sure that is fascinating like in a you know these open offices yeah where you have people moving around in the back yeah <laughs> it would be insanity now presumably if you are in that shared environment maybe you're not taking a lot of calls there with other folks in a room but oh, i don't know yeah. they even have the whole like the native background blur and all right yeah. so that's yeah that's true it just shows it goes to show like I'm not against this feature. I think there are some use cases when mostly when you're trying to FaceTime with a family, mm-hmm. essentially. Like whenever you're trying to be more than one person in front of the screen. Yeah. I think this will be great. Any other time, annoying. <laughs> it's classic Apple in where they're trying to design one solution for every use case. And like, can you just give me a toggle or like give me a setting? And like no. There is a toggle. That's <laughs> just like it's the wrong toggle. Doesn't work. So I think those are the main things that need to be addressed. Other than that, real quick, mm-hmm. what's the display like? Right. So, but just to, to close on that. So, okay, sorry. Other than that, I think I'll have to return it. Like, I just can't. So, I'm like, Apple, you have one week left <laughs> to roll out your update. Otherwise, I can't just keep this, well, run the risk that the they're not going to release the update or they're going to release the update and it's just not really fixing the issue. So I'm really hoping that they do because I kind of don't want to return it <laughs> uh, because otherwise in every other aspect, it's so nice. Yeah, <laughs> It looks so much better than the LG 5K monitor. It's like nice and sturdy. I'm glad I got the height adjustable stand. I'm running it a little bit higher than the normal configuration. The adjustments, like it's just so nice. The picture quality I found to be great. It doesn't have the local dimming zones and stuff like that. But honestly, in my daily usage, that's not really something that I run into. Mm -hmm. Hey, I wouldn't complain if it had it. (laughs) I would love it if it did. But the fact that it doesn't have it doesn't really bother me. Because one, I'm not really watching any kind of movies on this display. And then two... I'm not staring at HDR photos or editing HDR content or any of that. So all of the main things that this would give me, I'm not really doing. So I wish I could keep this monitor again. Like I really want it. It's like if only they didn't over-engineer. You know, you can always get a third-party camera. 
I don't know if I can get myself. You can get the Opal thing, the fancy cool kids are using. No, well, the Opals, I don't like that the camera's not centered. I know, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I told you. I told you about that. Yeah. The other thing is, there's just like an element of, I don't know if it's pride or what the exact feeling is, is I just have a hard time getting myself over the fact that I've paid like over $2,000 <laughs> for this monitor that is yeah. honestly essentially the same as the one I had before, yeah. except a little bit worse <laughs> in one of the key feature that I need in a display, which is have a good camera. Like, it's just, there's something about that that really bothers me. I get it. Pride is not the word I'm looking for. So, yeah. So, maybe I need to just, like, get over that, suck it up, and just accept that I've just paid, you know, decent amount of money for something that is, like, it's better in some ways, but also significantly worse than others than what I was using before. But I kind of feel like if they don't release an update that is satisfactory for what I need in the time that I need, I'll just kind of return this and then keep using my LG 5K and wait, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I guess I'll just wait longer for something else to, to be released. Wait for WWDC and uh, they'll announce the new Pro Display XDR one. <sighs> Yeah. With promotion and all. And look at that one. It'll be only eleven thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is insane. And no webcam. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think I would buy that. Like I think this pricing is right for me. Like I don't think I would want to go more expensive. It already feels expensive, but the price is right. Yeah, I don't know. I just wish like I could return this and then they give me one with just a static camera. <laughs> like, just Oh, maybe this is what I need to do. Maybe I need to hire someone I fix it style to basically <laughs> open up my LG monitor. <laughs> Open up this monitor. Ooh, yeah. And then swap the camera. <laughs> you can make this happen, yeah. Could someone do that? <laughs> I have some experience with uh, taking camera guts out of their respective cases. So maybe, you can, you know. Yeah, we need to find uh, someone who works in an Apple store to do it, like an aftermarket uh, replacement. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you a genius? <laughs> I hear you're a genius. Can you, can you do the thing here? Uh, yeah, so that's my update. All right. I'm really excited about this topic today, Kevin James Clark, because uh, we're finally going to talk a little bit more about drumroll. That was the worst drumroll. Until your side project, which we haven't heard in the podcast in a little bit. Yeah. So give us a quick update. And before you do, I'm going to recap real quick for people, I don't know, new listeners. Kevin Clark has a side project. He's building an app called Until which is uh, a way to create a widget on iOS uh, with a, like a countdown for you set a date, an event or something, and you have a widget with a cool countdown, like telling you how many days until the, the thing is. So, Kevin, what's the status? What happened? Where, where are you at? Yeah, so it's a very simple app. I created it last year when my partner went uh, to see uh, his family back in Taiwan, and I had to stay here. Uh, and so we were separated for a little bit, and I was counting down days uh, for them to come back. And so I've kind of been working on this app on and off, I would say. That's kind of like how I do all of my side projects, basically. Because I try to maintain a healthy life, work-life balance for the most part. And so there are going to be times where I have time and energy to put on a side project. And there's just going to be times where, honestly, like the day ends 
And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is spend more time in front of a screen right now. So, you know, I've been working on little features, little things over time. And so I had the first milestone, I think, back when we talked about it the first time where I had like general features working with the widget and everything. But then I felt like "Mm, it's missing a couple things for me to be able to release it. One, it was missing syncing. So I worked for a bunch of time on syncing and like explored so many different ads to, to syncing and ended up doing core data with CloudKit. Which your strategy was instrumental for me. Yes. To, I effectively used that for my own app, BoobyTrack. <laughs> I used that. You were, you know, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So did that. And then I was like, okay, but then I need a proper watch app. Because that's something that I want personally. If I'm going to do a, an app to be able to track your events, you need to be able to see it on your watch face. So I started building the watch app on top of that, building out all of the complications, which, as I'm sure you know, there are a lot of different complication types. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a pretty boring kind of type of work where you're just looping through and being like, oh, if it's that type, then format the thing in that way. Oh, and if it's that type, format the thing in that way. It's bad. Yeah, and it's really bad. So then I worked on that. And then I opened up the beta. I've had a bunch of feedback from people. Like in the last past few months, I've just like collected bug report after bug report, like one by one, like little things here and there. Like, oh, like things get out of sync here or something that I realized working with dates so difficult <laughs> yep so difficult to work with dates right i'd be like hmm i'm like looking at the, the time i'm like i don't know i'm like hmm, given where we're at now it should say this and the app doesn't say the right thing like it's just like hard sometimes to calculate the differences between two dates and so i've adapted like a bunch of little things which if you've been using the app if you're on the beta you probably have seen nothing like to you it's just the same um but i've made lots of these little changes behind the scenes And then the last thing that I'm working on now is... Oh, actually, no, sorry. I forgot one thing. Then I added in-app purchase support, which is one of the things that I want to talk to you about. Because I'm like, hey, I've been spending a lot of time on this app. And it's a fun little side project. Is it going to change the world? No, absolutely not. But... I wanted to use this as a way to just learn about what it's like to be on the app store and, you know, how you can make money through apps. I just felt like it was a thing that I'd never done personally. I've had apps on the app store before, but I've never really charged for them uh, or never used it. Uh, you know, in-app purchases. So I was like, I think this is going to be a good learning moment. So spend some time thinking a little bit about, you know, implementing that, seeing what kind of pricing, what kind of sort of feature gating do I want to do. I want to make it possible for people to try the app and get some of the value. But then I want to have some kind of features that are going to separate the paid versus free uh, differences. So the method I chose is in the app, you can create as many events as you want for free, but the background of the tile, if you're on the free version, you can pick from one of the presets that I offer you. I try to offer you great presets still. Uh, They're kind of like cool gradients. (laughs) And you have to pay if you want to be able to use your own images. If you use your own images, you can upload more than than one picture and it'll cycle through roughly every 15 minutes. I think it's a really neat feature, especially if you're looking forward to a specific event or a specific thing. It's really nice to be able to see pictures on your home screen uh, that will be different every time you, you pick up your phone. 
So that's where I kind of differentiated things. That made things a lot simpler for me also to implement. Where I don't have to be like, hey, like block things off or like prevent things from happening or like there's just like mm-hmm. it's just an easy cutoff point. And I think it's one of the the features that I like the most is the ability to like use your own images. And so I figured why not have that as the separation? It's an easy thing to talk about. Pricing is something that I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on. So it's obviously not a groundbreaking feature. It's not a subscription, right? Like it's just a one-time purchase. And so I was debating between should I make it 99 cents, essentially be as cheap as possible on the app store to just be, hey, listen, I made this app. I worked hard on it. There's this pro feature. If you're interested, it's like the cheapest thing I can possibly charge for it. Mm-hmm. Or $199, which I think is a slightly higher price. But my thinking there is most people are going to look at $0.99 cents and be like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not paying for an app, which is fine. They can continue using the free version. But I'm wondering if there's a big difference between people who are going to be willing to pay $0.99 cents or $199. And I just kind of feel like it pushing for a higher price point just it gives me a bit more wiggle room and maybe maximize the kind of revenue I can make from this app the most compared to just doing 99. Uh, I actually don't have a lot of experience with <laughs> charging for side products. <laughs> oh, sad. Um, <laughs> but that's about to change soon, maybe. Uh, but I, my intuition tells me that the distance between free and 99 cents, it's way bigger than the distance from 99 to 199. Mm-hmm. I feel like that from 99 to 199 is very short like you're already past the thing of like all right i'm willing to pay for this and it's so short that i feel like just aim for 199 i don't think it makes a difference but based on my own intuition maybe my own bias on how i perceive these purchases and apps i'm actually more curious and interested also to hear more about like that separation that's what you charge for because it's hard to like where is the value of the app you know i'm also with hand mirror i'm going through something similar like trying to define what is the app <laughs> right that in its free version still you know doesn't corrupt what the app is yeah like you don't need to pay to make it realized <laughs> right. as an app right as the, the idea well for me i want people to try it first right and get a real sense of the value of the app yeah so that's one so i need to allow people to create events right no absolutely so that's step one they should be able to create in my opinion a real event right like get the actual value like not just get a fake event <laughs> i think that would be a bit too restrictive no, yeah, that's silly. That's not, again, that's not the app. Yeah, exactly. If you can get dummy, that's not the app. So create a, a real event. The other thing, so at first what I thought is you can create the first event mm-hmm. and then any other event you have to pay for. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is I always allow editing the date, right? Right. So like you create an event and you can always change whatever parameters you want. And so I wanted to kind of avoid the situation where people just like go and continue to constantly edit the same event just so they can fall within the like one event limit. Yeah. Or then I can go in like, well, okay, then maybe I like if you haven't paid, then I prevent you from changing it after you've created it. But then what if you have a typo and then it's like kind of annoying and it's like... No, I don't think that's right. (laughs) That's not right. But even if people do that, like, yeah, you're not creating more, you're just editing the same one. That's hurting the experience a little bit. Like, and if you're willing to go through that because you really don't want to spend money, like, that's okay. Like, again, I, I know my own bias. Like, I always lean toward, like, not, I'm okay 
you know, offering free stuff, like whatever. I, I'm okay if people don't, if you're not willing to pay and you're willing to go through these, like, just, you know, cumbersome, like, weird <laughs> hack workflows. To, that's okay. Keep using the app. Like, I appreciate you using the app. That's okay. Right. But the thing, like, of not allowing you to create more, it's not so much that, like, they can only have one event at a time. It's also if you want to have multiple widgets. Yeah for multiple events at the same time like does sound like a good paid feature what i'm trying to get is that i wonder if having the ability to select a picture as a background of your widget Mm -hmm. if that is not core to what the app is Mm -hmm. and if you limit that to just paid users the free users won't really know what the app is unless they pay and i feel like they're probably more willing to pay if they know what the app is and they like it anyone more of it then if they're like, well, it was kind of a cool gradient. I don't know what it's like <laughs> to have the widget. Because it is like, it's. I love this app because it's, it's like the, the photo widget, right? So way to highlight the photo, especially if you use it at the, the biggest size. Like it's good in itself just as a way to like, you know, have your hanging pictures in your <laughs> home screen wall. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's nice. And you have the extra, you know, the added value of having the, the countdown as well. And I feel like that is what makes the app, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I wonder if there's, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it. Like if, um, let's assume that 99% of people who ever are going to install this app are never going to pay for anything. For those people, do you want them, would you be okay if they never really experienced this thing of having like a photo in a countdown, you know? The answer for me to this is, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Interesting. I think I'm like pretty okay with that idea. Don't get me wrong. The photos are great. They're amazing. This is how I use the app personally. Yeah. But I still think that you get a pretty good experience using the app. No doubt. Even if you don't. And also, even for certain types of events, I use the gradients myself (laughs) sometimes because they're nice. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with people not going through that. That being said, you're making me think now that maybe people will hate this. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You know, write me if... (laughs) (laughs) If you hate it, but now you're making me think maybe I should do both. Actually, maybe I should do restrict custom pictures to only the pro version and also only allow one event to be created. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. I'm making it more, more restrictive now, but that like maybe that the combination of the two would be an even more compelling one because maybe not everyone really like notices the picture thing or cares. And that's like another small way that I can upsell it. And yeah, people can work their way around it, but not fully, right? Because they'll never get around the pictures, which I like. And then it's just like as one extra friction point to encourage people to upgrade. I think I kind of like that. That's fair enough. Again, (laughs) you went the the opposite direction I was going. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, but it is. I'd be really curious to see how it goes. And I wonder, like, this is hard to, you can't really A-B test these things and it's also hard to tricky to walk back right if you offer something paid and then later offer for free or you know you can't win yeah that's true yeah i didn't really think about that yeah i was thinking of like what is a quote pro user feature and by pro user I mean like maybe not pro that's not the right word but like you know the most devoted user whatever mm-hmm. what is that is that they use multiple widgets or is it they use it as the photo thing like what is it yeah that's a good question i've been thinking a lot about this for hand mirror as well i've been uh, stacking up a couple like new features that i could potentially package as like a one 
one in-app purchase thing, a one unlock. But I've been extremely protective of like what the app is. Like I don't want to corrupt that. Like the app is like a free utility, the one-click thing to look at the camera, right? And I whatever I come up with, it can't mm-hmm. change that. Right. So uh, actually, for him, it's not that hard. But like, and also a Mac app, which I'm. I think historically, I think it's easier to charge a bit more than iOS. Yeah, true. But I've been bundling up a bunch of like little features that I feel like, yeah, it's definitely like extra and package it all up. And I feel like you're squarely in productivity feature yeah. land where easier to sell. Yeah, commands higher prices mm. for these things. It's like, hey, you're using this for work, you know? <laughs> so I'm more likely to want to pay for it. Yeah, good point. Something like that. And maybe people can, you know, expense it on their company too. <laughs> so Yeah, interesting. Have you thought about adding more features at some point? Or like, not really? Do you have future plans for the app or no? Yeah, I don't want to make any promises for people. I'm definitely interested, obviously, with WWC coming up. Mm. There's definitely going to be new features that I'm going to want to take advantage of. And I'm actually kind of excited about the idea of having like a real live use case for an app uh, that I can, you know. Yeah. Because I always work on little fun side things based on WWDC to just like learn the new APIs and learn the new stuff. So I'm really excited about that. One of the features that I thought of myself is I think I kind of want to add a toggle on the events where you can say tell it only count down working days. Mm. So the use case for that was, hey, you have a big deadline at work, right? How many days until the big release? Mm. Oh, I like that. Right. Because like right now, it'll like count the, even the, the weekend days. But if you're using that for a work context, being able to, to exclude that is, I think, an inter- at least an interesting way to think about like some of the things you have upcoming. So... Yeah, that would be a feature that maybe I would make a pro feature. Okay, so has this conversation changed anything? Except now you want (laughs) to... Yeah, now I want to be more restrictive. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any, like, self-deadline? You know, we don't want to commit to anything or promise anything or... This is a safe space. No one listens to this. It's okay. But, like, do you want to set any deadline for... Is that helpful for you or not really? I think it'll just stress me out more. (laughs) (laughs) This whole idea started when your partner was away. And uh, yes. they're away already, right? Again, for a while. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would like to launch it before he's back. Okay, yeah, there you go. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. So I have before May 1st. So I have about a month. Okay. We can do this, dude. That would be my goal. But it's not necessarily like a hard deadline or anything. So like I could launch it next week. Who knows, right? Don't tease me like that. <laughs> it's just like an end date where I'm like, okay, I should, you know, try to make it happen. Otherwise, we'll have to wait until next year. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll do the following because i, I don't want to pressure you too much because i think i've done that in the past and you know you haven't shipped the app yet so here's what i'll do every episode next three weeks i'll ask you about it for an update great yeah we'll follow up on this okay. so my question through all of this like the next thing that i need to figure out i'm doing a little about page because i'm gonna copy you yeah. <laughs> on these things and i think they're i'm honored they're nice so i'm gonna do a little like about page for the app that's the probably like one of the last remaining things that i want to add to the app mm-hmm. otherwise it's mostly done boom like at least for the v1 like i don't want to do any new big feature or any new big thing i just like just wanted to release what i have quick question mm-hmm. are you using the new store kit 2 or whatever api is yeah i am yeah are you using it on the watch? Can you unlock the thing on a watch? No, you can't. Mm, no, you can't. Okay, interesting. I'm going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not using it. 
and i do not care you also can't create an event on the watch oh i see because there's no date picker so yeah. <laughs> i was like i am not re-implementing a date picker on the watch <laughs> no thanks Fair enough. Um, so if apple does add the support for date pickers in swift ui and watch os i'll happily support it it's such a weird omission maybe this is a thing that will be coming after wwdc how do they do in the calendar app can you create events on their calendar app i don't think you can really that's so weird so but what i want to ask you about is the next step which are things that i haven't done in a really long time rollout strategy Mm. how should i roll this out so obviously i need to do like screenshots and all that stuff i need to submit for review like should i try to submit right now for review like a first version like never even release it but just to get a a feel for hey am i (laughs) I gonna get rejected for some weird uh in-app purchase problem that i better know about now than wait or like do i need to make a website for this like what are the the right ways to sort of market this keeping in mind that i also already have a full-time job and the more things we add onto the pile of things for me to do (laughs) the less likely i am going to get to the finish line i know again no expert on this but how i would do it and have to is I don't want to submit too early because I'm very impulsive. And like if something is already in the app store and approved, I'm like, ah, what the hell, I'll just do it. And I always regret it. I, again, hand mirror for like a month or more. It was, I released it, but it was not approved. It was not in the app store. I regret that. Like, God damn it. Because I also lost a bunch of analytics and stuff. And then people are asking me to release different versions and like on a website. And then I had no upgrade path, mm. whatever. So I regret that. Uh, so what I would do is like, no, you just work on the app until you're satisfied. Like, and this feels like a good V1 and then just submit it to the app store. And then after you do that, start working on the website, which will just take you like an afternoon, I would assume, or two or whatever. It should be quick. Mm. After then the website, maybe by that point, the app is approved. Keep it that way. And then I would work on like social media stuff and like just like Twitter embeds and videos or something or like little, you know, the OG metadata, social graph things on the website, all those like small things. Social graph, is that still a thing? You know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. Okay. No, what made me laugh is the OG social media. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what I mean? The original gangster. <laughs> yeah. That's usually how it goes. How critical is the website hmm. for an app? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I get a lot of like traffic to the website still. Mm. It's not the most people still find stuff through like app store browse and stuff i don't know for me it's just like a pride thing i like having a cool landing page unnecessarily cool i don't know i feel like it needs it i don't know the importance of it in the actual like grand scheme of things i don't know the impact that it has but for me it's just keeps carrying the personality and the work mm-hmm. and also i think it's important when you share stuff like on slack and all and it's if you can like control the message a little bit better with your own images you do your own like little presentation thing so for me it's important i don't know the importance in the actual like download Mm -hmm. numbers or something like oh it affects that (laughs) and it's also a low effort right like at least in the types of landing pages i do is it's pretty it takes me like an afternoon or something right it's just putting something together but how do you feel about that (laughs) yeah no i think that's all sounds very reasonable there was a thing which i wanted to talk about before and i kind of forgot that like reminded me of this when you're like oh like just put together a simple landing page which like is something that i've been battling with on this project it's like i've been trying to fight very hard the idea that this project needs to be a reflection of who i am as a designer (laughs) 
It's <laughs> like I 100% like no intellectually. I know for myself, I'm like, you know, but like so many people will now know me for this. <laughs> I'm like slightly worried about that, about that idea. So I'm like, oh, well, but if I'm doing a landing page and I need to do a nice landing page and it's something that I'd be proud of. And then it's like, nah. I'm like, while you were talking this, I'm already in my mind, like ratcheting it up. Like the amount of effort necessary in order for me to do the thing. You're overthinking it. Uh huh. You're 100% overthinking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. Like, I think at the very least, so that there's an easy way for people to link yep. to the thing. Like, I think it's really hard. I mean, search on the App Store is terrible. And so I think it, the bare minimum MVP of this needs to be a URL, like, say, redirects directly to the App Store. Right, like get until dot app or whatever, something like that. The URL. I mean, but don't do just a redirect. Also, like you know, a bunch of people might open the link on an Android phone or something, and then those redirects die. I, I mean, apologies, all our listeners uh, who are on Android. I do not care. <laughs> Nobody know, but the experience is crummy, and I feel like. Oh, and also a big one. App Store analytics and like referrals and shit, they suck. App Store Connect sucks. Mm, I see. And sometimes I get a spike in downloads and I have no idea why. And sometimes I go to the website and I can see what happened. Oh, product hunt or oh, something else. I can see that. But sometimes like some, I don't know, some websites or some like media publications and they link directly to the App Store thing, which is is fine. That's okay. Mm. That's ultimately what I want. But like for those people, I have no idea. And that is, that's unfortunate. And I, again, I don't even use like Google Analytics. I just use like Netlify Analytics thing, mm. which is more than enough for what I need. But that's something that I appreciate having that. Also, I think the domain name can be part, it's part of the app. Like, you know, if you got a cool domain name, it's easy to remember, easy to share, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying like trying to give myself some guardrails <laughs> here because I know I will totally go off the deep end if not. So I just want to like start myself down the right mindset of hey if basically uh, do what you said right wrap up the app submit it to the app store and from that point on it's like okay now's the time you work on the website and then the first thing i need to do is just buy the domain name just do the redirect basically like have a redirect as a backup option if i get on may 1st and i haven't had time to (laughs) properly make a website Mm -hmm. there is a url that can point to a page where the app is sure right and then after that it's like okay now do like a very simple landing page like basically try not to spend too much time on the stupid landing page that probably no one will care about um (laughs) but that at least i have something so i can meet my deadline but ideally obviously like i would want a nice landing page and then have it be like a nice video and then have like i don't know like testimonials or whatever and no need to do all that the landing page you can just communicate a message a bit better and the, your whole story, how this app came to be, is sweet. And I think it's unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it was me, I would probably lean a bit on that. Like, it's not like a whole story you have to read. It was just like, hey, you know, this happened and uh, this happened and I made this because of that. Totally. Uh, hi, I'm Kevin and uh, you work at Shopify and I have a <laughs> podcast with uh, my best friend ever. Um, <laughs> link here. Ah, uh, I see. I see. <laughs> you know. Uh, no, actually, like. I thought we were promoting the app. <laughs> <laughs> I get, like, it's still uh, always in the, like, top. 10 referrals for hand mirror is booby track because i just have more apps like this is other stuff i did and so ah, it's there interesting. also os 10 photo thing the wallpaper thing also mm-hmm. drives some traffic to these other things so very cool you know you already have other side projects should i talk to nine to five mac 
about this. Yeah, I can share some, some context for sure. Yeah, that's another thing I would do that before. Like once you have the app approved, you work on the website a little bit. Again, don't spend more than two days on it. Simple landing page. You can work on it after, you know, if you want to add videos and all that. You can do that after. Mm. Once you have all that secured, maybe work on a little press kit if you want. You know, mm. I did that for Thwip. <laughs> Probably not worth it. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but you can do a little something. Reach out to some a couple of people, a couple of websites. Uh, make sure they get like a referral code or whatever, so they don't have to pay to test out all the features. Mm. I reach out to them. Like maybe give yourself a buffer for like a week. You know, give them time to look into it. You'll just say, hey, by the way, I'm planning to release on this day. If you want to have access, love your work. Hi, blah blah blah. And I would also do, based on my experience, I would do product hunt a couple days after the big launch. Mm. So don't put all your eggs in the same basket, right? You know, like just spread it out a little bit more. That worked out well for me. So, and I think do it on Thursday. I think Thursday is like for some reason like the best day to share stuff on product hunt for some reason. Okay, interesting. And uh, yeah, share it early and don't go crazy asking people to upvote it. Because I think it affects the algorithm some way. And don't share it on Slack for some reason. I don't know. Oh, really? Maybe this is just superstition <laughs> at this point. But like, I just tweet about it like, hey, if you want, upvote. That'd be nice. And that's usually okay. But uh, yeah. And that whole process is fun, right? It's just building hype and it's fun. You can tease a tweet here and there. Great. That's cool. That's great advice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Now I just need to make it happen. All right. I'll ask for updates next week. Let's see where you're at. Great. Cool. All right. Should we recommend stuff and get going? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to get started? I'm going to start by recommending an app that I didn't mention a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's an app called Vivid. And what it does is it lets you use the full brightness of your HDR-able display. Mm. So if you have one of the new MacBooks, the ones with the notch, that is an HDR or XDR, they call it, display. And if you have a Pro Display XDR, you also have one of those. And, you know, we've been looking at specs and we've been talking about displays a lot in the past weeks. And apparently these displays have a full brightness of 1,600 nits. That's a lot of nits. <laughs> but in normal usage, like when you're just looking at your screen and you're working in Figmore, Sketch, or whatever, you can only cap at 500 nits or 600 with the studio display. So what this app does is just, I guess, there's some kind of trickery or something to trick the your computer into thinking it's playing HDR content, and then it unlocks the full brightness. And the way it's set up, it's I think it's the right way, which is like there's no other stuff to learn or keyboard shortcuts or little settings. It's just you keep using your brightness keys. And once it reaches a maximum, it just then goes up until like it unlocks the full 1600. Mm. It also has a really cool mode, which I think is genius in terms of like marketing and all. You can put like split screen. You can have your screen like half <laughs> at the full brightness and another half like the normal maximum brightness and it's jarring it's really incredible look kevin i'm gonna bump up the brightness of my display just look at my face all right this is the maximum okay okay maximum as in like this is 500 nits all right i'm gonna launch vivid and i'm gonna turn it on you see that oh wow. yeah oh, shit kind of hurts <laughs> so bright this is really bright uh, i need to record with sunglasses now all right it's off but is this actually usable though when you're inside as in like if it's too bright yeah no totally usable yeah i mean it's maybe I wouldn't recommend it inside, like indoors, especially at night, like I am right now. But if you use your laptop, let's say outside, like in the sun, I've certainly found myself in where like the full brightness was not bright enough. Mm -hmm. And so if you have these spare nits <laughs> just, you know, locked away, <laughs> this doesn't lock it. So here's the cool part, though. This app is out as uh, getvivid.app. Links in the show notes. So the app, you can you can try for free. And it's also ingenious the way the pricing is done. Speaking of like charging for side projects, you can use their like demo mode with like split screen. 
for free. So you can see what it's like. Mm. <laughs> but then if you want to unlock the full version, it's 15 uh, euros or whatever, dollar, maybe $15, maybe? No, 15 euros. There you go. I've been in the beta. I've talked to uh, Jordi, the developer, designer, developer, one of the, it's a duo, indie developer duo, <laughs> but it's one of the duo. <laughs> I've talked to them and I was in the beta and they were kind enough to like, let me try it and all. And so earlier today, when I picked my recommendation, I reached out to say, hey, I'm going to recommend your thing on, on my podcast. That's awesome. Do you want to share something with our listeners? I don't know. Like, you know, regardless, like, this is not sponsored or anything. I just reach out to the developers and say, by the way, uh, we have a cool audience they might be interested in. So guess what? They're super nice and they share the code. So if you use the code layout at checkout, you get 33% off. So instead of 15 euros, you get 10 euros. Super cool. So anyway, if you have one, uh, an XDR able display i can't see why you wouldn't want this uh the summer is uh approaching it'd be nice i think it'd be useful i love it uh that's it great uh my recommendation this week i actually haven't had a time to try it yet but i will and i'll circle back next week on the episode but my recommendation is audio hijack 4 so it's a new update to audio hijack the very app that we use to record this podcast audio hijack is amazing i can talk about it in general it's an app that helps you reroute your audio do stuff with your audio as you're recording and so i know in a lot of context lots of people want to start uh, doing their own podcast or there's lots of like reasons you want to do a live stream you want to do all sorts of things with audio what's great about audio hijack is it allows you to record both ends so i can save a copy of rafa's output as well as my output in separate tracks and the great part about this is if one of our computers for some reason randomly shuts off in the middle of the call recording and loses the audio yep never happened totally never happened uh and it totally has happened to us many many times more than we'd like you still don't lose the recording now obviously the copy that you record is a copy that you received through zoom or whatever tool you're using so it's lower quality than the original one but it's still way better than no audio at all that's one of the many use cases for the app. And I think this new version looks really great, even if it's just for the new icon. I think the new icon looks great. Um, so, yeah, go check it out. Yeah, we've been using it layout for years, honestly. Yeah. I think we used something else. Or we used QuickTime for like the first, I don't know, 10 episodes or something. But very quickly, we realized we needed something better. And this is like, we've been using like 1% of the functionality of this app, like Kevin mentioned. You can, you know, it can reroute audio. It can like record your own microphone and let's say like this Safari page or whatever. And you can like compress audios. It's magic. It can reroute stuff. This app is crazy, really good. And they've been like Mac developers for so long. Like It's one of those canonical like indie Mac developer, you know, shops. They're great. Rogue Amoeba. Yeah. Cool stuff. All right. I think this is it. Let's call it a show. It's been longer-ish. Um, we've been doing this thing that at the 45-minute mark... We didn't get the dance. I did get the dance. I danced a little bit. I was doing this. <laughs> I didn't realize. Not, okay, to be fair, it's not really a dance. I just moved my arms. I thought you were just really excited about <laughs> saying. Uh, that, that too. <laughs> okay, so at, for the past couple of episodes, we try to keep this show, you know around an hour so the deal is at the 45 minute mark i start dancing so that you know just calling out attention that we should start wrapping up <sighs> you know i danced but kevin just thought i was excited which i was <laughs> but damn it okay i'll need to be more explicit this is a dance i'm not just happy <laughs> to see you <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Uh, let's wrap it up. You can follow us on Twitter at LayoutFM. And I am at Rafahari. And Kevin is at Vernal Kick. You can follow all of us, the three of us, uh, me, myself, and I. <laughs> and uh, you can reach out if you have any like questions or if you have topics you'd like to recommend or suggest or you would like to hear our thoughts on it or whatever. Twitter is the right way. It's the best way to get in touch. You can also check out our website. That's layout.fm. Speaking of side projects with the website and cool domain names, layout.fm. That's where we have all the show notes for all the stuff we mentioned and also links to if you're you know interested in sponsoring this show. Uh, there's more information on our website for that. And uh, yeah, this show was edited by Laura. Thank you, Laura. And we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Okay, bye.